And I wanted to just uh, talk again about the, the purple book study too we have going on. And I think everybody should have those, you know, the purple book study, the basics that are there. And also the, we have a men's study again led by Ron and the people going to that just, they are really loving it. So um, am I loud enough for you guys? Okay. So I'm going to continue on on a study about waiting on the Lord because there's so many aspects to that to learn about waiting on the Lord. So I'm going to start with this scripture first, um, Lamentations 3.24. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. But that word um, hope Yahio actually means waiting. There's waiting in that hope because you don't have it yet. You're waiting for something, expectant. So again, that's the faith. You have faith, you're expectant, you're waiting. And then that word salvation is actually the word teshuva, which means not only salvation but deliverance. If you're waiting for, you need help. It also means help and safety and victory. See, so you're waiting for all these things that, that only God can give us. That's that kind of waiting and expectation. You're waiting there. You're, you can't do it on your own. You can't get the victory on your own. You can't get the safety on your own. You can't get the help on your own. And so you're waiting, but you're waiting in hope and in expectation on the Lord. And I want to just do a, a few aspects about waiting on the Lord as we do this series. And the first one is you have to step out first and then you wait. Okay, so you have to step out first and then wait upon the Lord. And the second one, if you want your prayers answered from the Lord, it's all about attitude and motives. And I'll be sharing more about that. So I'm just going to go over one of the scriptures that I shared the other week's Again, about waiting on the Lord, Second Chronicles 20.15, quickly. And then uh, the prophet said, Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. And that's what we got to remember. Otherwise, we get into fear when we face great trials and worry. But the Almighty God, that's His battle. When we are following after Him, again, we got to choose to follow after Him. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm. Okay, stand firm in Him doesn't mean you don't do nothing. Stand firm in Him and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, this great army they were facing, and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before him. And that's an attitude right there of worshiping the Lord even in the trials. That's when the greatest miracles you will see. 
After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. Again, that's the attitude of worship, even in the midst of the trials, to see the greatest miracles happen in our lives. This is what they sang, give thanks to the Lord, his faithful love endures forever. And that's the hard part in the midst of your trials, to give thanks and know that he's faithful and true. At, that, at the very moment they began to sing and give praise to the Lord, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. So he did it. He caused them to fight among them own selves. And the army was defeated without him doing anything. Or So the first one, again, waiting upon the Lord. You got to step out first. And then wait upon the Lord because we have free will. And if you don't step out first, then it shows that you don't really want to. Okay, and so what that means is, or who is God? Who is God, in other words? If you, if you want to hear from the Lord, you need to uh, step out. Because, see, who is God if you, if, if you say to God, you tell me first and then I'll decide whether I want to do it or not. Yeah, who is really God? But if you want to hear from the Lord, say, um, I, and this takes building in trust. This takes building in trust. So there are stages in that growth. But what he wants us to grow to the point that we trust in his love. And his goodness for us. And how powerful he is. That, you know, that he knows what's best. He's the only one knows is all-knowing. And that we would say, okay, what he asks us to do, we will do. Now he's Lord of our life. Not only Savior, but Lord. And that's when the miracles happen. That's when we see him show up in our lives. So we step out first if we're saying he's Lord when he tells us what to do. So that entails, we got to he, hear the Lord, so to speak, on what he's telling us to do. And when I say hear the Lord, it's just that, not maybe an audible voice, I've rarely heard an audible voice, but you just know that you should do something or you start getting a sense that you need to do something. Like I just feel I need to call this person up. I did that this week and the person said, I was just feeling that I needed to talk to you. And see, just hearing that, being sensitive to that. As, um, you know, one person told a story about um, he was in New York with a Native American. And in all the cars, all the noise of the cars, the people, the honking and everything, the Native American said, wow, do you hear that cricket? And the guy is like, how can you hear the cricket in the midst of all this noise and confusion? And the Native American said, it's what your ears are attuned to. He had learned to be attuned to those sounds. And so we have all this noise going on in our minds. We've always had that. We always thought that I got to do this, I got to do it, you know, so on. But to be attuned to the sound of the Lord, now we have to practice listening. And how do you find out, I'm feeling I should call someone maybe. Try it. 
and see if that was the Lord because that person saying, wow, I just needed help. There's a story of this guy. He was driving and um, he just felt like he needed to turn into this care home. But he's like, I got to go. You know, you're mine. I got to go. I got to work. I got to get to the here. And then, but it was, he, he listened enough to the Lord that he just felt like, I, I can't go for it. I got to turn around. So he even turned around, went back to the care home. He didn't know why. Walks into the care home. And then the, the first room there, the lady says, oh, you know, well, what are you here for? And he said, I don't know. I just felt like God was telling me to come. And then she broke down, started crying. She said, I was just praying. You know, um, Father, you know, he, a lot of people in those care homes, nobody was visiting them. Nobody was visiting her. She felt all alone. She felt unwanted, unloved. And she said, God, if you love me, if I am somebody of importance to you, show me. Send somebody. I wonder how many other people driving down the road the Lord was trying to tell them, but they weren't listening. But thank God he was listening. Yeah. And um, also, you know that guy who wrote that song, Going Back to the Heart, Coming Back to the Heart of Worship? He was going to do a concert in, I, I, in um, Europe, and he's on the train, and uh, he's a worship concert, you know, he's well known, and um, he's, he feels he needs to sing this Michael Jackson song. Going to a worship concert, you're going to sing a Michael Jackson song? But I forget the, the words exactly. I have it in the book back there of his testimony. But it was something like, um, yeah, do you see me? You know, do you love me? And, it was, and when he went there and he said, I just feel like out of obedience, he stepped out. And he sang this song. It could be a lot of people say, what are you doing singing that song here? But he just felt that, and so listening to the voice enough and, and stepping out enough, he knew enough, he had enough faith to step out and say, okay, I believe this is the Lord telling me to do this. And so he sang that song, and afterwards a young lady came up to him, again weeping and saying, you know, I was saying nobody cares about me. Nobody loves me. And God, if you don't, let me know this at this concert. I'm going to go and commit suicide. And so listening to his voice and stepping out, though, not just hearing and saying, okay, you know, if that's really you, you know, you show me first. I'll decide. I'll do it. Try it. We got, that's building our faith, stepping out and building our faith, stepping out onto the waters and building our faith. Like in Exodus you know, the Egyptians, um, Israel is freed from Egypt. They're going, and then Pharaoh gets all angry, changes his mind. He's coming with his whole army after them. And there they are, the army of Pharaoh in back of them and the Red Sea in front of them. And the people start complaining to Moses, saying, why have you done this? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. We got nowhere to go. 
Have you ever faced a situation like that? You think, man, I don't know what to do or where to go, how to get out of this situation. The army of the, great, of the greatest nation on earth at that time, in back of them, an ocean in front of them. But in 14, 11, uh, verse 13, but Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Oh, kind of diff- If you were in their situation, man, that would be difficult. And for Moses to say that in faith, when the ocean is in front of the army coming behind him, to say that in faith, just stand still and watch, okay? Just stay calm. Then verse 15, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to, to me? Tell the people to get moving. Okay, the next verse. So again, standing still is more like a spirit in your heart. Because he says, tell them, get moving. Pick up your staff. Telling them to do something again. And raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed. Because... Pharaoh and his troops would be overcome. So that, if we want to see the greatest miracles, we need to start stepping out in faith. And I'll show you the, the easiest way to do that. But you see that, and, and uh, when Joshua and the people of Israel are going into the promised land, they had to cross the Jordan River. It was flooded. It was wide. But as soon as the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant stepped, on the water. They had to step first on the water, and then it parted. See, that's when we're waiting to see the salvation of the Lord, to see that. Um, Paul and Silas are just doing what God told them to do, sharing the gospel, freeing someone from a, a demon, and then they're put in prison and beaten, and they are again praising God in the midst of prison. And an earthquake comes, opens all the doors. The jailer and his family come to Christ and the people apologize to them and let them go. But that's the first part. And so like he wants to change us to become a child of God, the almighty, all-powerful God. From the first Adam to the second Adam they call Jesus, the new family. We're not in the family of the first Adam anymore, of the second Adam. Children of the almighty, all-powerful God. That's what his destiny is for you if you want it. But we got to choose. We got to choose. But it's like, you know, the Bible says we look at creation and that's how we can know God. But you look at the caterpillar. And all it does is feed me, feed me, feed me. You know, I, everything is about me. But then there's a time where it starts building a chrysalis. I don't know if it knows what it's building it for or what's going to happen. But it starts building it. And then in the chrysalis is when it's changed from that, the caterpillar into the butterfly. But do you know how difficult it is probably for that caterpillar 
Because when the caterpillar changes into a butterfly, it doesn't morph into the butterfly. It's totally liquefied. Look it up. You know that? The caterpillar is totally liquefied. Like all its cells are just mush, nothing. And it's remade into the butterfly. Now the caterpillar got to make that chrysalis first and wait because we, it cannot turn itself into the butterfly. It cannot. God is the one who does it, but it got to make that chrysalis first. And then even when it comes out, it has to struggle. It'll, if you break it out of the, oh, poor thing struggling, and you break it out, it'll die, and it never fly, and it'll die. The struggle is what makes it strong. It's wings strong enough to fly, to fly free, and fly and change into totally opposite. God's trying to change us from this selfish creature that only thinks of itself into a child of faith of the living God who is love. And then we're filled with that love. So this is for more and more of a mature um, Christian as we're growing. And if we look at creation again, when you plant seeds, you know, you plant the seeds, you water the seeds, but we cannot make it grow. Only God can make it grow. So we just got to wait. I mean, we got to do something. If you don't plant the seed, you're not going to get nothing. So we have to do something. You have to plant seeds if you want to get fruits. You, you know, you got to water it, take care of it, fertilize it if it needs it. But only God can make it grow. So we do something, but we wait because only he can do it. And we see from creation, we humbly just wait. So um, what I learned from, you know, uh, YWAM, University of the Nations, that I'm, I'm going to teach there later this month again, um, you see that whole big campus. If you haven't gone there, we'll do a tour of the campus on an open Thursday night where they have that, and, and let's go. It is huge. It is beautiful. It is amazing when you see that. They bought it all with no money. They were obedient to start when God said to start clearing, start digging, and then he met them with that. The biggest miracles because they went out in faith and did that. They just bought the ship's building where the ship's ministry is, the old Hukilau Hotel, and um, they were leasing it with, you know, like the first option to buy. If somebody else wanted to buy it, then they could match that and get it. Well, somebody wanted to buy it for $8.8 And they didn't have any money. But they prayed. Faith, too. You know, pray. They prayed in faith. And um, what they told me, what this key was, I just was in Cambodia, like I said, teaching the um, executive master's class for YWAM, the next leaders of YWAM. That base, again, no money, nothing. It is so big and beautiful and so many buildings. Their main um, building where they have their outreaches and everything is from here down to the end of that other building there. That's how big that one building is. And then they have dorms, four big five-story dorms and classrooms and all these things, no money. 
But when I was asking them, because, you know, of uh, what the Lord is telling me now to, to build these um, villages for, so people can live in Hawaii where we, we can't afford, um, I was asking him, how do you guys do this? I, I need help in this area of faith. You guys got so much faith in that area. And you know what they said? Seed sacrificially first. Seed sacrificially first. That's the principle. And as you do that, God will meet you. As we doing, we also doing what God told us to do, stepping out in what God told us to do. Build this base over here, they step out, and then they seed sacrificially. And so that's really important because what you're doing is planting seeds. If you want to get fruit and multiplication, we got to plant those seeds and water it with faith in the physical and in the spiritual to see God to move in these miraculous ways, totally miraculous ways. So Luke 6.38 says, Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and pouring into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back because it's seeds. You plant the seed and then it multiplies. And you get way more back than what you planted, that one seed. You'll get way more back. He's changing our principle, you see, because we have a principle of you take to get. God's principle is you give to get. That's totally opposite. God changed us totally around. And um, to give instead of first. And then, so Malachi, I always know this is an Italian guy, Malachi. Uh, Malachi 3, 8 to 12. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. You know, this is the only place in the whole Bible where God says, put me to the test. There's seven places it talks about people testing God and all of it is bad. Don't test God. Don't test me. But this is the only place where he says, test me. Try it. See, that's why I say this is the easiest way to step out in faith first, to see God is real and he will do what he says. Give first. That first tenth to him is what it says. Test me. And then the next, it continues on. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. I've seen these things happen. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. He's the almighty, all-powerful God. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Now, I want to say right here, this is not any guilt trip, because I don't know who ties and who doesn't. Okay, our church, you know, the, the pastor doesn't, doesn't handle that part. Okay, so if, if, if you're feeling guilty, that's your own conscience, because <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so, but it's so important to faith. That's why we've got to talk about it. And multiplication, because it's seeds. Having your prayers answered, this is so important too. And being blessed. And this is the simplest one, because he says, give. And it will be good. So now you have that. He says, 
put it and test me. That's the only place in the Bible that he says, test me. But there's a very important other component to this. We can't take the word out of context. That's why you got to know the whole Bible. That's why the chronological Bible study is really good. So waiting upon the Lord, first you step out and then wait upon the Lord. But it's all about attitude and motives. Okay? You know, like, for instance, some people, you know, and it's true, say, okay, in the New Testament, we don't have to follow Old Testament law. You don't have to tithe. Okay? And it's true. But if God's principle is give and it shall be given, does that make an excuse to give less than a tithe? Think about it. No guilt trip on anybody. You pray about it. Think about it. Does it make sense in God's kingdom and his ways that now he, you don't have to, that, okay, give less when his principle is give. When actually as we grow up in him, it's to the point where we trust him so much that whatever you tell me to give and wherever and whenever we, we give that. And yeah, that's, that's what we do now. It doesn't matter how much. We trust you enough to, and you, you give. And we've always seen him provide. He's always given. And um, yeah, I don't know. It, but let me make it clear to, you know, th this is like, it's expand, you know, Jesus, what he did was he said he didn't put away the, the Old Testament law, but what he did was it really now, he put it on a level of faith and grace. The old, the old laws were a picture of what? Yeah? So that's why, you know, people would say, ah, you know, um, I, you know, about, like, I, I haven't committed murder, but then Jesus expanded it. Even if you think of your brother in anger, you, you've already done that. So he expanded that to be a heart thing, a spirit thing. And so the same way he did with, with that. You know, like people say, which is the Sabbath? You're not worshiping on the Sabbath? I said, well... He rest, God rested on the seventh day. He rested from his works. So I say, well, now, like Jesus did, he only did what his father told him or showed him. We rest from our own works. But to do his works. So when people tell me that, I say, yeah. My heart is to, to rest every day from my own works. Every day I just do the works of the Lord. So, yeah, do I keep the Sabbath, yeah? Do I keep the Sunday? Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to do it all the time. Not perfectly, because I'm not perfect, but I, that's my heart to do that. And that's what it's about, the heart thing. That I want to rest from my own works like Jesus did uh, every day. And, um, you know, how Jesus said, you know, if you're, you know, your, your animal falls into the pit, are you going to help it or not? You know, can you heal on the Sabbath? He's doing his works. And John 5, 17 says, but Jesus replied, my father is always working, and so am I. So again, it's not talking about that, because it's, are we doing our own works or his works? He's always working. So he's working even on the Sabbath, but not his own works. Okay? So this is the attitude thing. Oh boy, I'm going to go over again. Matthew 21, 22. If, this is what people quote all the time. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Okay? It's the prosperity gospel. Get whatever you want. He's our Santa Claus. 
I, I, was, I believe that, and I'll, I'll show you that. But 1 John 3.22, that's why we need to know the whole Bible so you don't take it out of context. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So that's when you get whatever you receive. Not be, you know, it's, it's just because our will again. Not like, oh, you know, you're, you know I'm not going to give to you. But we choosing. Okay? And James 4.3 says, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Okay? That word pleasures is hedone, which we get hedonism from, which is worldly lust. And let me give you an example of how, how bad your pastor was. <laughs> is still need Jesus. <laughs> quiet. Uh, quiet, still need plenty of work. If anybody knows, she knows, right? Um, because I was so worldly. I was the only son of a Japanese father, so that means I'm the shogun. I got three sisters, whatever I wanted. I had, he was a doctor. And all I had to do was nag and throw a tantrum, and I got what I wanted. So now I come to Christ, and I didn't, I'm on my own now. I got married, and we have nothing. I, I mean, our refrigerator was empty. I had a protein powder in my refrigerator with no milk to drink it with. But then someone gave me this book called Seed Faith, and it said the same thing. If you tithe, if you give, test him. He will give you so much back. And I'm thinking, wow, easy money. Because you know what? I was lazy. I just wanted to surf all day. So I didn't want to work. Oh, all I do is give, and I'm going to get, oh, so much back money. And I want a nice car. I was lusting after a nice car. I wanted a big fancy house. I want everybody to... Wow, look at him. He's so great. He has all that, all the worldly stuff. So I said, oh, great. So, okay, I'm going to tithe because it said, test me in that. And the book said, if, if the Bible isn't true, tear out the page. So, okay, man, I'll test you, God. And I gave with whatever little we had, you know, I gave. Okay, man, I'm going to be rich. Easy life. Nothing happened. And I got so mad, and I did what I always did, throw a tantrum. You mean, God, I don't love you. you I hate you. I'm not going to serve you, follow you, because you mean you're not doing it for me. You a liar. You said that, and so on. I'm going to tear out the pages of the Bible, and I threw that best tantrum, and God didn't give in like my earthly dad, because he's smarter, and he loves me. If he gave me then, I would have been way down the wrong path. So he didn't give it to me. So I threw the biggest tantrum. I said, you a liar. You Bibles, you know, you, that book said tear it out. I had five Bibles people had given me. I put them and I burned them. I know. <laughs> Man, what a, what a horrible sacrilegious person. I burned them. Ultimate. And you know what? God, he didn't answer my prayer but I, couldn't, I knew he was God already. I couldn't, I couldn't go anywhere else. I knew he was God already. So gradually he grew me. 
to the point now he answers those prayers. He gave me, you know, now that I'm not lusting after a new car, he gave me one. I'm not lusting after a nice house, he gave us one. And, um, but it's not my worldly that's what's so important to me. Yeah, he blesses. But like the psalmist said, you know, I, I, I pray that prayer. Don't give me so much, Lord, that I forget you. Don't give me so little that I got to steal and dishonor your name. Yeah, but he's given and he's a good God. And he says, don't worry about anything. He will take care of us. We just step by step to trust him. Yeah, if you're not ready to trust him with a tithe, say, God, help me, help me, help me. And then from there, you go forward. So it's no guilt because it's all about your relationship with him. Yeah. But as we, we give and trust him and say, yeah, he tests him and see in the right attitude and you will see the salvation of the Lord. So I'll end with this, Isaiah 40, 30, 31. Uh, as a worship team comes up, even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They should run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. And the last picture I have there is the eagle again flying above the storm. And all the storms of life he wants us to fly above in peace because we know where our salvation comes from. And we trust him that he loves us and he will meet us if we come in the right attitude and heart and we step out for, first in faith. Oh, you know, what a beautiful, beautiful life. So let's pray. Father God, um, you proved your love for us. Before we would even accept you, you already, I don't know anybody who would do that, not sure if they would even accept them, but take on all their sins suffer the most horrible torture they could think of in that day being whipped to the bone and then hung on that cross you showed your love for us i don't know anybody else who would do that just in case somebody would accept what they're doing for them so we can trust you we can trust you so help us lord more and more to step out in faith in you and watch you work watch you meet us as we wait upon you in jesus name amen